Well, it is. It's, it's the opportunity for a fresh start. There's something refreshing about uh, a new week, a new year, a new month, certainly uh, a, a new year. There's just something uh, about this beginning that, that gives us a little bit of a spark, and it certainly is a, a lot of an opportunity because we can build on what's been, and we can, we can understand what we have, and then we are free to go forward. But there's an art to this, and, and we need to understand it. We need to be able to, to really leverage all that, that God's Word teaches us for moments, moments like these. If 2016 was a rough year for you, know that you are not alone. Most people have found that this was a horrific year. If 2016 was a good year for you, uh, then, then good for you. Just know that you are in the very small minority of people. In all the years, I've never seen people so angry with a given year. Um, actually, you know, almost personifying 2016 as if it were something that, that has been doing something to two people. Uh, you know, last night, as, uh, as Ohio State's performance revealed the, the destructiveness of their own abilities, uh, there were a lot of people like, oh, man. Can you believe what happened to Ohio State? And not to be outdone, Mariah Carey stepped up on the stage, right? And, and you talk about a bad performance there, right? And it was funny. I love it when things like that happen because I'm on Twitter, and I think people are hilarious. And so in these moments, you know, you go on Twitter, and you can see some of the funniest stuff. But one of the ones that really grabbed my attention was this. This young lady wrote this. She said, Mariah Carey just got 2016. So when a name or an idea or a year becomes associated with accomplishing something, it's something. It's something big. So 2016, for some people, it is analogous to destruction, to pain, to horrific powers that have been at work to cause harm. And so we're coming out of that year, and here we enter into 2017, and this is the first day. Here's the question you and I, we have to answer. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with this opportunity to start fresh? One thing that one of the things I love about the Christian faith is it really provides so many fresh starts. As a matter of fact, the, the whole idea of Christianity is built on a fresh start. Uh, through the gospel, we're given new life in Christ. It says in Second Corinthians five seventeen, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And it's more than just a one-time experience. There is a renewal that takes place over and over throughout the Christian life. We read about it in 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the, Spirit, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So not only are we given new life, not only are we born again, but we are continuously transformed and made new over and over by the power of the Holy Spirit of God who is in us. And we have this promise that what God began, He is going to complete it. Philippians 1.6 says, and I am sure of this, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So we have this eschatological, this end times hope that we are one day going to be with the Lord and He will make all things new. Until that time, God is at work at, in us in this world. And this is the hope of the gospel. Not simply that we're saved. We understand God's design, that, that there is a, there's brokenness in our world because of sin. But because of the gospel, we can repent and believe, and we're now free to pursue and recover God's design. 
Now, the more we pursue and recover God's design, the more we will become aware of the sin that still is at work in our members, which leads to brokenness. So what do we do? We repent. We believe more so in the gospel, not to be saved, but to be sanctified, to be transformed from one glory to the next, which allows us to pursue and recover God's design. This is the power of the gospel. This is the hope of the Christian life. We have a continuous means by which we can be renewed. And so God's design for time allows us the opportunity to be reminded of the fresh start. Every Lord's Day, every first day of the week, we have the opportunity to be reminded and renewed in the hope of the gospel. And if you're not here, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss an important part of what it means to be a child of God and to receive the blessing of God. Very concerned by what I'm seeing in terms of attendance patterns, not just at Living Hope, although we are certainly a part of that throughout the nation. It's not that we are seeing less people attend church. Here's what we're seeing. We're seeing people attend church less often. Some who once used to attend every Sunday are now attending two or three times. Those who were once attending two or three times are, attend, are beginning to attend maybe once, some even quarterly, but still thinking, oh, I'm a member of the church. I'm still a very important part. This is my family faith. I'm going to tell you something. If you don't show up for mealtime at our house, you're in trouble. So it is in this church family. On Sunday mornings, we gather to eat. We gather to celebrate the greatness of our God and our Father. He's called us to the table. And if you're not here, you're being disobedient. And you need to get yourself to God's house and to celebrate His great grace. Amen? I'm going to be talking about this a little bit more. And I'm going to be calling some of you, too, if you don't straighten up. I'm just telling you that right now, so just anticipate it. But we got to get this right. It's, it's We need this. God is God. He's self-sufficient. He doesn't need us, but He wants us and He loves us. We need to worship Him. It's what we need. And so we have this first day to be renewed, but here we are on the first day of the year, and we have the opportunity to take advantage of a fresh start, but there's an art to it. You know, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with this gift, this, this new year? Our text shows us how we can make the most of this new beginning. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me now to Philippians chapter 3. Uh, Ian uh, Benningfield is going to come and read for us. Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. We're in Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to look specifically at verses 12 through 16. So, Ian, if you would, brother, read that for us. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Let only let us hold true to what we have attained. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. Well done, Ian. If you would, go ahead and, and be, be seated there. I, I, I must confess to you, I have a deep love for the book of Philippians. Uh, left to my own devices, my own choices, when given an opportunity to preach, I will often choose the text uh, from Philippians for, for a number of reasons. One, when I did my undergraduate study in, in biblical languages, I translated the book of Philippians and found it to... to to speak to my soul. It speaks of the joy. I came to understand joy when I studied 
the book of Philippians and what it means to have joy that allows us to rejoice in all things at all times. Uh, another thing I love about Philippians is, is the way it pictures the, the universal church and every church, every local church. Um, when the church was founded, this would not be what most church planters would hope to plan out. Uh, real quick, go to Acts chapter 16. I want you to see this. In, in Acts 16, we see the we see the founding of this, this this fellowship, and and the way it began again was just so supernatural, it was so of God. Uh, you, you begin there in verse 11, and you see where Paul um, is gathering for prayer, and there happens to be this woman who is a God fear who doesn't know the gospel. And there, Lydia becomes the first member of the of the first Baptist church. Uh, I, I'm assuming uh, of, of of Philippi, and and she begins this this new heritage, this this new outpost, if you will, of the glory of God and His kingdom. But no sooner has this very wealthy, influential, very knowledgeable woman uh, been saved and, and and now a part of that local church, that beginning, uh, go down. Look what happens next. There is a demon-possessed little girl who is set free by the power of God. And she is saved. And she becomes the second member of this church. So you think about, here is this wealthy, influential, powerful, well-educated, capable woman. And now here is this young lady who has probably been talked down to her whole life, who has probably been victimized, who probably has been told, you don't matter. But now, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, she's an adopted child of the King of Heaven. And she's now a part of that local church. But God isn't finished yet. Look down. Look what else happened. So, Paul goes uh, to prison because of setting free this, this young slave from this demon. And while there, a miracle happens. And I would love to preach on this, but let me make a point from this just real quick. The, the prison doors are open, but notice, Paul does not leave. If you'll remember, Peter was once imprisoned, and the doors were opened up, and the angel kicked him and said, get up, it's time for you to go. But in this instance... Paul was not told by God to leave the prison, although the prison doors were open. There's an important thing to learn here. There are times in your life when you are going to feel imprisoned by your circumstances and situations, but God doesn't want you to leave them. He wants you in that difficult place so that you can be a blessing from, to someone else and so that you can receive a blessing from God. By remaining in that prison, Paul was used to leave this prison guard to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Not just him, but look at it. It's his whole family. So here is the foundation of this church at Philippi. A rich, wealthy, influential woman, a poor slave girl, and now a busy uh, a jailer with his whole family. And so this encompasses this new church. And God used this church. God was at work at this church. Now go back to Philippians, and, and I'm going to tell you one more reason why I love this book. is because the, the church of Philippi reminds me of Living Hope. Go to uh, chapter 2, just real quick, I want to show you this. In, in verse 25, see, Philippi was a missional church. They believed in partnering with missionaries all over the world, specifically Paul, and then sending people on short-term mission trips. So the fact that we have met our goal for the gift for Christ this year means that we have the capacity to send everyone who is willing to go to all of our partners for everything we have planned. Well, this is what Philippi did. Look in verses 25 through 30. You see where this church gave money to send uh, Epaphroditus on a short-term mission trip to go and serve alongside the Apostle Paul. And now he's being sent back. And if you see in verse 30, he almost died. 
He got sick while he was on that short-term mission trip. And now the Lord, uh, under the direction of Paul, is now sending him back home. But it tells you something of the heart of this church. This is a people who knows that they exist because of God's providential influence and impact on their lives. And now they are joining with God in what he is doing in the world. And so now Paul is writing to this church. And he's celebrating with them the work that is happening, not only through them in this world, but happening in them. And so that's what we see in Philippians chapter 3. Paul is giving a bit of a testimony here. And he's talking about how it is you can enjoy a fresh start. There's an art to it. Understand, it's not mechanical. Absolutely, there are actions with it. And it's it's not just philosophical, although certainly there's some thoughts to it. And it's not just ethereal in that... There's, there's, it's not absence of feeling, but it's, it's really a mixture of all three, as all great art is. It's a mixture of actions and ideas and feelings that create something so beautiful and powerful. And that's what God is doing in your life. Think about what he says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. He says that we are his masterpiece. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And so there's an art to what God is doing in your life. And there is certainly an art to a fresh start, which is what we've been giving uh, on this New Year's Day. And so, four things I want you to see from the text today. Take note and, and follow along in the text now. A fresh start involves four things. First one is this, understanding where you are. you got to know where you are. Look what it says in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this, that is, righteousness, active righteousness, personal um, righteousness in practice, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Paul was very aware of the status of his spiritual journey. Are you? Do you have a sense of where you are spiritually today? Do you have a sense of how God is at work in your life? Can you, can you speak to it? Can you give more than just a feeling, but can you actually give indicators and actions that are taking place in your life that you're partnering with God in? Can you speak to the status of your spiritual journey? See, Paul knew, look, I'm not perfect. I have not obtained the righteousness. When you, when you see that pronoun, this, you have to go back to what he had been talking about previously, and what he was talking about was the righteousness of Christ. Now, understand... Paul, as all who are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, he was already made righteous. He already had a righteous standing with God, but he had not yet fulfilled a righteous practice. I do this with my hands because that's how I understand it. There is a very real vertical sense whence once we believe the gospel that we are made righteous. As a matter of fact, this is our Romans chapter 5, verse 19. Whereas by the one man's disobedience, that is Adam's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, that is Jesus Christ, the man God, the many will be, look at that, made righteous. So when we believe, when we repent of our own self-sufficiency and repent of our sin and believe in the gospel that God has come into the world, lived a holy life and died and been raised, We are made righteous. We have a righteous standing before God. And so this vertical aspect of our life is perfect. This horizontal part of our life that lives in space and time in this fallen world is not yet perfected. We are still being transformed from one image of glory to the other. And so Paul says, look, 
I know where I stand with God. I understand where I am in Him. But I also know in my day-to-day life, in my practice, I am not yet perfect. But notice he's not feeling sorry for himself. He's not sitting on his hands. What is he doing? He says plainly, but I press on to make it my own. This word pressing, I translated it as chasing. There's more to it than just running. There is a sense in which he is attempting to handle something, to grasp something. So the pursuit is more of a chase. He is chasing after righteousness in order to obtain it. What is the status of your spiritual journey? Can you honestly say that you are chasing righteousness? Do you wake up each day aware of the presence and the power of God in your life? Are you, are you seeking out His will for every opportunity and challenge that comes your way? Are you chasing God's will for your life? Or maybe your status today is indifferent. Maybe you've become apathetic to the things of God. It happens, and here's how it happens. We get comfortable. We get comfortable where we are rather than understanding that there's still more ahead that we need to be pressing for, we need to be chasing for, and instead we just settle in. Please understand, and, 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 I, and I want you to really get this, because a lot of people don't get this, and I still want us to get this. The spiritual life is not meant to be comfortable. Yes, there are moments of of elation. Yes, there are moments of happiness, of delight when you experience God and, and in the fellowship there's a glory and there's this, this powerful renewal and there's hope and there's gladness. But in the midst of it all, there's also a battle. The chase is challenging. So look, if your spiritual journey, if their status is not challenging, you're not doing something right. It's meant to be challenging. That's a part of the glory of it. That's what the chasing is meant to feel like. Some of you, you've gone from chasing maybe at one stage to indifferent. Some of you have actually fallen to a place of being defeated. You're not chasing righteousness anymore because you've decided in your own heart, maybe you haven't said it in your own mind, but you've gotten to the point where you feel you cannot defeat the sin that is besetting in your soul. And you've decided you're a victim. There's nothing you can do. And so you're no longer fighting the good fight of faith. And I tell you, friends, hear the word of God. Press on. Get off your hands. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Stop looking back. Start looking forward. There's more out there for God that God has for you. you you've, got to, you've got to put Christ first daily. You've got to put Him first for the first day of the week. You've got to start pressing on and getting in on what God is doing in your life. You've got to feed your passion for Christ. And you, and you do that best in the community of saints. Listen, if you don't have people that know your problems, you're in, you're in, a, you're in, a, you're in a dangerous place. You need a handful of people. You don't need, everybody doesn't need to know your stuff, so don't put it on Facebook because some people are actually glad you have problems. Don't do it, all right? So listen, if, if, remember, Facebook is for fun stuff, all right? For good, happy stuff. If you have a political opinion, if you want to, to demean someone else, call them up, okay? It's great. That's, that's what phones are for. But Facebook, just show me pictures of your kids and dogs, okay? Let's let everything else just be, all right? Just stop fighting all that stuff. But 
there, there, there is in us this, this need for us to feed the passion that Christ has in us, and that's meant to be done together. That's what we're going to learn next year. The whole year, our focus is better together. We're going to understand the importance that not only God plays in our lives, but the, 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 the importance that we have for each other's lives. And, 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 and a big part of that, as an, in an individual sense, one thing you must do individually, and I want you to hear me on this, is you've got to fight against your besetting sin. That sin that is habitual, that sin that always, that always seems to hit you, that sin that you know that is always going to probably be there till the day you die. Friends, stop. Stop just being passive. John Owen said it like this, so true. Either be killing sin or sin's going to be killing you. One of two options. It's a battle. Be killing sin or sin's going to be killing you. It's going to kill your marriage. It's going to kill your heart, your mind, your soul. It's going to kill the, the emotional energy that God wants to give you so that you can fight the good fight. you got to kill sin. Two ways that I know how to do it. Two ways. Starve it. Stab it. If you have a, a, a sin that is a constant challenge for you, starve it out. Don't feed it. If you deal with greed or lust or or, or, or food your issue, or pornography, or, or lying, or, or, or being deceived, whatever it is, don't feed your mind. Don't put yourself in those positions where you're going to be tempted. Listen, the enemy's going to come against you plenty. You don't need to put yourself in those positions. He's going to try to trap you into them or trick you into them. Fight sin by starving it, and then stab it. The Word of God is a sword. It's a two-edged sword. Stab it with the truth and the hope of the promises of God. And, and, and fight the sin that's in your life. So you got to understand where you are. So let me ask you, what's the status of your spiritual journey? Are you chasing righteousness? Are you indifferent? Are you defeated? Listen, it's time to press on. Second thing a fresh start involves is appreciating where you've been. Look at the latter part of verse 12. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. Paul knew that what he was, what he had, and where he was going was a gift from God. Paul knows that Jesus made him a part of God's family. This is something that had happened to him. It was a part of his historical story. He can look back and point, this is when God found me. This is the, this is the way in which this occurred in my life. And, and then there's this real sense in which he knows, Paul knows, I would have never pursued God had he not pursued me. There's a real sense in which he's understanding, I am where I am. I understand where I am, and I appreciate where I've been because I know that God has pursued me. Every child of God has a story. If you're a Christian today, here's the good news for you. God has a broad story. It's the Bible. And the story says that he made all things to be in harmony, but because of sin there was a fall. But now he sent his son to rescue us. And now all who believe are a part of the rescue operation of God. We are now a part of the eternal story of God that will end in the restoration when God makes all things new. Amen? Now, your story is meant to be one that you celebrate. The way you appreciate your story is you share it to the praise of the grace of the glory of God. You don't share your story so you can brag about how ridiculous you were. You share your story so you can point to the, point to the grace of God. At the beginning of our first service this morning at 9.30, uh, Reed Ritchie was baptized. And it, uh, it was hilarious because uh, we forgot to communicate with the custodial staff that we were going to have a baptism, so the heater wasn't on this morning. 
snow's about 45 degrees in there. So it's going to be memorable for many things. But here he was, standing in this freezing cold water, smiling at his dad, and his dad asking some real basic questions. Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? And he said, yes. He said, will you promise to follow him the remainder of your life? And he said, yes. And then he said, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he took him under that freezing cold water. And he came up and took the biggest breath. (laughs) And we all laughed and celebrated. Friends, if you've never been baptized, you've got to understand, you're in disobedience. See, it's, it's, we are meant to be immersed. And here's why. There's a message in the message. See, the message is this. You've been buried. Your old life is over. You've been washed. You've been raised to walk in a new life. It's a way for you to celebrate, to appreciate what God has done in your life. And having done that, you're now free to go to people where you live, work, learn, and play and to share the story of your salvation, to share the the way in which God has redeemed you and brought peace and, and hope and holiness to your life. Sharing your story is a way that you appreciate where you've been. Third, a fresh start involves anticipating where you're going. Again, picking up at the latter part of verse 13. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul knew that God was not finished with him yet. Friends, listen, God is not finished with you and he's not finished with me either. Here's what you need to anticipate. Write these three words down. In 2017, I can assure you, if you're a child of God, here are three things you need to anticipate. First of all, trials. God is going to allow trials in your life for you to overcome. Go back and read James chapter 1, verses 2 through 5. I'd love to preach on it, but you guys want to eat lunch. I get it. You are going to face trials. Second, you're going to have to carry crosses. You're going to have trials, you're going to have crosses. The difference between a trial and a cross is this. A trial is something that you haven't necessarily chosen. It's something that happens to you under the providential care of God. A cross is something you choose to bear. That's why your spiritual status should always be challenging. Because like Christ, we are called to deny ourselves Take up our cross and follow Him. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. If you're not taking up your cross, it's no wonder that you're comfortable in your Christian faith. Carrying crosses is never easy. And in 2017, there are some crosses that God has for you to carry. Third, thorns. Thorns are these painful situations, physical, emotional pain that God allows for His purpose. Thorns are those things that we often pray for and God doesn't take away. You go back and read in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul had a thorn, he had a pain. We don't know what it is. But three times he asked God to remove it, and God said no. And then God went on to say, my grace is sufficient for you, because I will reveal my power in your weakness. And so in 2017, friends, anticipated trials, crosses, and thorns. And what God wants to do is He wants us to move forward in our future anticipating these things, anticipating that that's going to happen. In order to get ready for that, we got to forget the past. Paul said, forgetting what is behind. That doesn't mean you don't learn from what is behind. What he's talking about there is not banking on or being defined by past failure or success. Your past failures need not define you. 
Christ should define you. But also understand this. Your past spiritual success will not bring victory in this upcoming year's challenge. You're going to need fresh faith. You're going to need fresh, fresh work of the Spirit of God to breathe into you that life that believes and trusts God. So you got to get over and get past what was. Learn from it, yes, but then you gotta, you got to strain towards what is ahead. you got to strain in faith. Listen, you're going to hit some spiritual walls this year. It's like running a race. I remember years ago I ran a half marathon, and everything I read and people told me, said there are going to be times when you're going to hit a, what they would call, a, a, metaphorically, a wall. You get to this point where your body says, hey, let's don't do this anymore. And in those moments, you've got to keep going. I'm going to tell you something. In 2017, there are going to be times when your body is going to say, hey, let's don't do this, this, this Christian faith thing anymore. Let's don't do this marriage anymore. Let's walk away from our faith, from our family, from everything that seems hard in the moment. Don't you do it. Press forward. Press on toward the goal. Because I'm going to tell you, there's a blessing in it. I remember years ago, a young man came to see me who was just heartbroken. This young lady he thought he was going to marry had broken up with him. And so he came to see me, and we prayed, and we talked. I encouraged him. And a few months later, I called him and said, I want you to come back and see me. I want to see how you're doing. And he wasn't doing very, very well. He was still kind of in the same place. And so I, with the love of Jesus in my heart, pastorally told him to get over it. And I talked about the fact that God wasn't finished yet. And I, you know, jerked him up a little bit because I love him. Years later now, he's married. He's got a godly wife. They have children, and they are fighting the fight of faith. You know what? He could have sat on his hands. He could have sat around and said sorry and been sorry for himself. So can you. Do you know what you'll do? You'll miss out on the blessings God has for you. God had blessings for this man, and he's enjoying them now because he pressed on. He forgot what was behind, and he pressed on towards the gifts that God had for him that were heavenward, that, 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 that were bored down into his life. Understand this here. There are things that God has for you to do. There are things that God has for you to be. And there are things that God has for you to learn. All three of those are things you need to anticipate. Last thing. A fresh start involves accepting where you need to be. I love, I love this text. Look at verse 15. This is hilarious to me. I love spiritual sarcasm. Look what he says. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, eh, God will reveal that to you also. You know what he's saying? Hey, here's what the truth is. Oh, you don't think that? Oh, don't worry. You'll grow up. You'll get it. Paul's basically saying, if you don't get this, if you think you're right, you're wrong. That's what I love about the Bible. It doesn't care what you think. It says it's the truth. Paul's writing and saying, look, you've got to mature. Let me tell you what maturity is. Maturity means we are smart enough where we have been blessed, but that God is not done yet. Maturity is the means to look back and see the blessing of God, but has the wherewithal to know that God's not done yet. And then, and then he says, now, if you want to get in on what God's doing, look at verse 16, so crucial. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. You've got to hold on to your faith. You can't jettison your faith. You can't walk away from the Lord. You can't, you can't abandon the narrow way or the broad path that leads to destruction. You want in on the heavenly blessing? You want in on the great things of God? You want to mature in your Christian faith? You've got to stay on the narrow path. 
You've got to hold on to the truth of God's Word, to the family of faith that He's brought you to, to the commitments that are a part of being a Christian, and live on, live on this line that is the Christian life. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what your spiritual status is. Some questions you need to ask is this. Are you walking with God? Is your marriage where it needs to be? Are there relationships that have been broken because of conflict and you've not made peace? Is there an ongoing sin that you have yet to kill? Are there things that you're afraid of? Are there things that, that you think are bigger than God? If there are, it's time for a fresh start. It's time to commit your life to Christ. It's time to look for His grace. It's time to pursue what He has for you. Forget what's behind. Strength forward toward is ahead. You can't do this in your own strength. You will need help. So you have a moment right now as we sing about the fact that we need the Lord to get on your knees and ask God to do a miracle. Thank God. Our God is a God of miracles. For a miracle to be birthed, it will often and almost always require to be impregnated by prayer. You want to see a miracle birthed in your life today? And right now you need to impregnate it with prayer. You have that opportunity right now. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, I know there are some here right now who need to accept Christ as their Savior and Lord, who need to admit, repent, believe. Father, I know there are some that are your children today, if they if they're honest about their spiritual status, they would say, I'm disinterested, I'm distracted. Some might even say I'm defeated. Lord God, we need you. We need you in order to believe that you're not done yet, that you can save, that you can restore, that you can heal, that you can do more in us, that you have more for us to, to be, to know, and to do. Lord, we need you. Hear us as we sing this as a truth. And then for any today who wants to come and, and just ask you for your help, Lord God, maybe to save their eternal soul, maybe to strengthen them in a narrow way, maybe to find victory over, over a need in their life or in the life of someone they love. Hear them as they pray. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Sing together. Come and praise with me.